Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Kevin, and this is No Longer Ashamed. We are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're here to share with you that if you're a survivor, you don't have to be alone. Our logo is a salamander, and the reason is a fire salamander can survive a fire, and you have survived a fire. We want to help you with your journey to healing and hope. We are all survivors together, and we walk this journey together. And you are not alone. By telling our stories, we are hoping that you will have the courage to share your stories as well and find your voice. Because stories are so important, and for so long, I know that I wouldn't tell my story. But when I finally shared my story, that's when I got my freedom. And this is our journey and your journey to healing and hope. So come with us. And this week we're talking about what do you say to someone if they're sharing with you that they are a survivor? You know what I love about that, Kevin, is that in my experience, that was never posed to me. And I feel like my situation felt like when I finally told just a little bit that I felt so vulnerable and then I felt like I had given somebody power to hurt me, but I knew they wouldn't, but I was afraid they might say something. And then when I think about it, why would they? But the, just the craziness that goes through, for me, what went through my mind, because I felt like I accidentally told somebody. I, it wasn't my intention. I wasn't like, oh, gee, and it was your wife <laughs> before before I knew you. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to tell her today, but it came out and she was such a great listener. And so I told her probably more than I would have. But then when I got home, I was freaking out. Yeah. I wanted to do this for friends and family of survivors mm. because one of the hardest things is we don't know how to help someone if they come to us and right? say, you know, look, this is this happened to me. It's kind of like how we deal with people who are grieving. We we don't know what to say. Gee, I'm sorry for your loss. So, and there's different kind of people. There's the kind of people that will be like, oh, and then there's the kind of people like, wait a minute, when was this? What, you know, they'll grill you. Yeah. And what we really need, whether we intended to share or not, is we need to know, number one, they believe us because we wouldn't have said anything if we didn't have some level of trust. Would you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. And so we need to know they believe us. And then if they if they want to grill us, I get that. But it has to come from a place of not that they don't believe us. They just are wanting more information. Yeah. That they want to be helpful. Exactly. Part of it is what 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 is the reason that that survivor is sharing with you? Yeah. Are they are they sharing because they need help? Mm. Are they sharing because they just can't hold it in any longer? Mm. Or are they sharing because they're struggling with suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, mm. and they're just at their last straw? They, right. they can't handle it anymore. So that's a really good question. And would you, for instance, when what was it like when the first person you told, what was that like for you? Well, like we talked about last week, it was a friend of mine whose sister, she revealed that she was abused and my friend didn't believe her. Mm. And it was kind of traumatic to me that my friend didn't believe her because I knew how hard it was to talk about. I had never talked about with anyone. So it was really nerve wracking to tell her what had happened to me. 
because I'd never told anyone. And at the time, I don't remember what her reaction was. I just remember my reaction was I was so nervous mm. and scared. And as a man, the hardest thing is I was afraid of how she would treat me, how she would act towards me. Oh, after she knew. After she knew if she would treat me differently because I was afraid that the secret was out. Mm. And so I was afraid that she would act differently towards me. You know, that's interesting because the first person I really shared with was a woman who was a friend who was your wife. But when I think about it, it could be a partner or, it, you know, it, it might really depend on who you're sharing it with. If they have, like for me, when I told your wife, we were friends and I felt like she believed me. I felt like she heard me. Although when I got home, I freaked out and I called her like 40, 50 times before cell phone. You're not going to tell anybody. But then I thought about when you, just when you were saying this, what if you told a family member or what if you told a partner or, you know, and maybe that makes a difference. Well, for men, more than likely, it's going to be their partner mm. because that's, Practically, for a lot of men, the only person they really share really deep secrets. <laughs> men don't <laughs> share a lot of emotional stuff with each other. They don't share <laughs> a lot of this vulnerability with each other, even their best friend. And even now that, you know, I'm very comfortable talking about being yeah. a survivor, but it's also, I choose when and where I and, talk about it. And what is that? I I mean, is that, okay, so in this whole coronavirus, I'm hearing people saying, for instance, their dad is really macho and he he's not going to like respect the rules. So it makes me wonder with men, is it different yeah, when you share it? Then it's definitely different. Yeah. And so what is it that feeling that feels vulnerable or feels challenged? Your masculinity mm. itself. I mean, as a survivor, especially of childhood sexual abuse, it can define you in ways, if you let it, that would risk your masculinity. We're not supposed to be victims. Isn't that sad? And we're not supposed yeah. to, especially if you're a macho man, if, a, if it was a male perpetrator, then you're risking this sense of being this big macho man mm. because you were abused by a man. Interesting. And so there's a the whole thing, you know, you just can't talk about that with, with another man. Mm. And I think we talked about this before, is as a woman, it's almost... And, and I hate to say this, but it's almost acceptable. Yeah. Like, oh, you poor little thing. It's, or, but with a man, it's almost, it feels like, well, why didn't you slug him? Yeah. Why didn't you fight back? Why didn't you do something? Do you feel so, guilt about that? No, I was, I was a, a little, kid. I was, yeah, I was yeah. barely four. No, I didn't. I knew I didn't know what, what I, I, I had no idea what was going on. Mm. But so, the really important thing is if someone does share with you, mm -hmm. what do you say to them? And also, what don't you say to them? So let's start with what you don't say. The worst thing is, is I think if you don't believe them, if mm -hmm. you say, I, I can't believe that. Yeah. I can't believe that happened. And which is often in response to you don't believe them. Why didn't you say something sooner? Why didn't you do <sighs> something about it? Because both of those can have 
terrible consequences yes. for the survivor if if you are the first person they share with mm -hmm. and you question them. Mm. You can just destroy their confidence. Right. And I think we really saw that with the coach, the Olympic coach. For some reason, I can't think of his name, but, you know, so many of the women believed his story. Mm -hmm. So he was doing these horrendous things, but he was saying, I have to do this. This is what the, you know, medical board told me. And so then when, when those girls heard other women coming out, they're like, huh, they're stupid. You know, yeah, yeah. and and so it is amazing to me how, number one, the victim can actually feel justified in that maybe it was supposed to happen. Yeah, I think that happened in the church a lot, in the, the Catholic oh, church and yeah. also um, with the Boy Scouts that these boys that got abused probably couldn't talk about it. I yeah. think a lot of them had a hard time talking about it because... Who would believe them? Who would believe them? So... Mm -hmm. The biggest thing, if someone tells you that they were abused, that they're a survivor, is trust. They need to trust you. And so if what, you question them, that's going to just destroy their confidence. Exactly. And what, what really comes to me is I remember when Oprah sort of came out with all this Catholic stuff and had all these men on the show and how traumatic it was for them Yeah. to be able to say, I'm a man. And this happened to me. Like, there's that, I want to use the word dichotomy. I don't know if that's right, but of I'm supposed to be macho. Where as a woman, if we're taken advantage of, there's that helplessness. Yeah. And I remember when I first shared, I, I don't remember Charnel saying, I believe you. But I know she believed me. Yeah. And in a way, that was more scary to me. Oh, because yeah. I never shared, and then now somebody believes me. What does that mean? Yeah. But I am so grateful for that because I think when this all happened was more probably probably close to thirty years ago. Yeah. So there wasn't the type. I mean, it hadn't been exposed as much. And I how when was the first time you shared? Like what? It was about thirty years ago too. Yeah. So it it was there was kind of like things hadn't really come out about that. Yeah, especially and, for men. Right, especially for men. So you were kind of the pioneer in that. There was a few books available because after I shared, I realized I needed help. Good <laughs> I, for I realized you. I wasn't able to deal with this on my own. So I looked and there was a book out especially for male survivors, but yeah. I think there was just one book, I believe, but it was it was very new. And it was before the Catholic Church scandal and right. everything else. And yeah. I was able to find a men's group for survivors where we did group counseling. And and a lot of them also talked about how they didn't know anyone else or had not heard of any other people that were survivors. It was just no one talked about it. So it was kind of that you're not alone. Yeah, that was the big deal for being in the group. Yeah, I think for me, because I had family and it, it's like your story might include family. And I don't know if yours was like that, yeah. but I feel like there was that sense of, yes, this has happened to me, but I also have to protect a family member who doesn't yeah. really understand yet. Yeah, and that's that's another big issue 
if someone tells you they're a survivor, it's important maybe to find out, are they in a relationship with the perpetrator still? Do you know them? Uh, are they comfortable telling you who it is? I think one of the other really hard things for a survivor to hear is when people overreact as far yes. as they want to... They're going to go beat them up for you. They're going to go beat <laughs> them up. Or did you call the police? That's right. another thing they ask right yeah. away. Did you call the police? Well, why oh. not? They might not even know your relationship with the perpetrator or right. with the other people involved. And we've lived a lifetime of who's going to believe us. Yeah. That's what we were told, right? Yeah. In the process of it, nobody's ever going to believe you. If they have to choose, they're going to choose me. Telling them or asking them right away, have you gone to the police? Well, why yeah. not? That That's going to put them on the defensive right away. And Isn't human nature funny? That's like we, you know, we finally get brave enough to share that we're being abused. And then in a heartbeat, we go to protection of that yeah, abuse. We, we get beaten up for it. Yeah. Practically. Yeah. That's so, why it's so confusing. Yeah. And I mean, I think I said this last time, but so often the abused becomes re-abused. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. people do not want to believe that anybody would do such a monstrous thing. Yeah, it's kind of beyond our our belief system. Yeah. And um, so what do you say that can help them? So, you know, for me, I've been aware that I'm a survivor for many years now. I think that there's that element of you don't really know you're a survivor mm -hmm. because it's so normalized. Yeah. And for me, I thought it happened to everyone. And I remember somebody using the word incest. And I was like, what? And I, I actually went to the, the school secretary and I asked her, I said, what's incest? She goes, oh, well, that's when the dad will like have sex with the daughter. And I remember something in my head was like, oh my gosh, right? Because yeah, yeah. I didn't know that that wasn't normal. But now what do I do? Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, for me, when I finally, I think when I finally told, I was probably close to 30. And I think saying, I believe you, even if you don't say the words, because we all know how body language is. And I think for me, sharing it with your wife is, I knew she believed me. Mm -hmm. I thought she might go beat them up. <laughs> but I knew she believed me. And that was terrifying because that meant if she believed me, then I might be right. Yeah. So when someone shares with you, it's important to find out where they're at. But first of all, I think it's important to support them. Tell them, you know, you believe them, that you, you want to be there for them, that they can trust you. Right. You're not going to share this with anyone else right, without their permission. Because that's that, so important. That's especially for men because men are really, you know, uh. they're really guarded with this because there's a lot at line right. for a man if he's a survivor. And he probably doesn't want anyone else to know. So if he's sharing with you... He has to know he can trust you. So also find out if he can. I mean, it, it can be important to find out, are they still in a relationship with this this person that abused them? You know, that's that's good because I actually still was. Yeah, and 
I still was too. Isn't that interesting? And、um, if they are still in a relationship, do they feel safe? Are they are they in a safe place now? Right. Or are we so normalized that we don't even understand that it's、yeah. dangerous? So I mean, ask them、yeah. if they feel safe, if they're in danger,、mm -hmm. if they need a safe place to be. Find out what if they've had help. Are they seeking、mm -hmm. therapy? Do they have a therapist? If not, would they? You know. Are they in a place where they're ready for that?、Uh, I think it's important to find out what they're what they're feeling about this right, right now. Why why are they bringing this up with you? Are they having thoughts of suicide or depression or anxiety? Do they need to get help? And if so, you know, how do we go about that? How can we help them? So I, when I started to realize all of this, so I had suppressed it. I guess they call it repressed memories.、Mm -hmm. And then, of course, my family said I was hypnotized. Yeah. And but here's the thing: when you start to remember, it is like there's that part of you that wants to normalize it because、yeah. they have normalized it. But then there's that other part of you that goes, wait. So when I had kids, so people would say at our shower, baby shower, trust your instinct. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like so. My instinct says, shove the kid down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know as a child that that was you were being taught. Exactly. So how?、Something. Right. So how do you know? You know, you don't really know because you just think that's the way it is with everybody. Yeah. And that's the thing about age as you get older, and finally when you have kids and you start, you know, people. I remember people would say, "Trust your instinct," and I'm like, "My instinct is to push the kid down the stairs." Yeah. Yeah. How horrible is that? Yeah. But that was, you know, so. So I remember my sister and I having this conversation of, yeah, we, no, no, we cannot trust, trust our, our instinct on that. Cause, yeah, because we've we, been taught. Yeah, because we、really. thought that was normal. Yeah, you know, just give him a boot down the stairs. I mean,、yeah. how horrible is that? But we didn't know. And I think having somebody actually believe us. And I remember my counselor one time. I I was telling her something that happened, and she said, and I go, "Isn't that stupid?" She's like, "Do you realize how that happens?" I was like, "What? You mean it's real? Because you're so normalized that you think you must be crazy." Yeah, these things that. Are coming to the service. You're not hypnotized. You just are, when you have kids. You all of a sudden it's like, what would your parent do, right? Oh,、yeah. my parent would have pushed me down the stairs. My eye, my heart. I'm going. I never pushed my kid down the stairs, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that you know believability. Saying I believe you. I want to be here for you. And if you're a person that can't hear that, because some people can't deal with that, is like, how can I support you? How can I help you get help? And I remember my friend Deanne, and that's who my daughter's named after,、huh. Jenna Deanne. And I remember her telling me I needed a counselor, and she go every day. She would just like be like, it was before cell phones, so she'd swing by my house. She'd be like, "Can you make one phone call?"、I'm、like, no. <laughs> yeah, I think important thing is to find out kind of where their mental space is at the time if they're telling you. Why? Why are they telling you right then?、Good、are they、point. are they in a place they where they really need help right away,、yeah. or they're just trying to sort through this? Are they trying、yeah. to figure out if they're crazy? Are they maybe、uh, they're having repressed memories that are、right. coming back? So what's your answer to that? Where are you? What 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 is it that you? 
I can help you with right now. I remember last time you said, are you getting help? And that's not something that's never been one of my first questions. But as I get older, the more people I deal with, it's like, wow, that's okay to ask that. Yeah, I think it's important to find out if, and especially because we're not trained. We're, we're not exactly. professionals. We're, we're, you know, it's likely that you're not going to be able to help them a lot right? if they're sharing with you. But main thing you can do is just support them. And listen. And listen. If you can. Yeah. I had somebody ask me today, what would you say to somebody who was really struggling through this coronavirus? And I said, I'd say call a support line. Mm-hmm. And it, you worked for a crisis counseling line. Yeah, I worked at a crisis center. And I can't imagine that I would have ever made that phone call. But knowing it's there yeah, and knowing that, for instance, my job on the radio overnights with all this coronavirus, I'm like, hey, if you're struggling, yeah. there are hotlines for you to call. Call them. Yeah, and that's a great suggestion for, for someone who, if they tell you they're a survivor and they're really struggling and they don't know what they're going to do, but they're afraid, there are hotlines for survivors and for people who are experiencing suicidal thoughts, and they're really important. You know, it made me think of how, like, I'm a coach, and so when people tell me things, you know, I think that I have this presence that people will tell me things. But if people are telling you things that you cannot deal with, that it is so okay to say, there are numbers for you to call. How can I help you? Can I find the number for you? Like we don't, you don't have to take it on if you can't handle it, but you can say, number one, I believe you. That seems to be the most important thing. And number two, here's a phone number or how can I help you find a counselor? You know, it's like, I don't have to carry this burden for you if I can't, because we all have different personalities and some of us cannot handle that. Yeah. And especially if, you are feeling disturbed by this. Yeah. You should tell them, I want mm-hmm. to help you, but I don't know how much I can yeah. help you, but this is what I want to do. That's really but good. But you should also, honest. I mean, depending on how close your relationship is to the yeah. person who's a survivor and or the person who is a perpetrator, you might be really disturbed by all of this mm-hmm. and having a, it might affect you. So it might be important for you to seek professional help. Exactly. In fact, I had told you earlier that um, in my early years when I had, there was a child that was missing and I was hearing the news. It wasn't connecting in my brain. It was, so it was a trigger and I was pacing my house and then I went to a recovery meeting and I said something, honestly, I don't know what, Hmm. but it upset everyone in the group and the counselor even said she had to go get counseling after the group because of my memories of And I was sure that child who had been disappeared, I was sure that that child had died. I didn't know that, but in my mind. Yeah. And I I think that we really need to know our limits. And the most important thing is, I believe you, I'm here for you, but this is what I can do. Yeah. That we don't have to carry that burden for somebody else if we can't. Yeah. Because, I mean, one of the things at the crisis center is... we were required if we were dealing with abuse situations, you know, someone calling in who was 
being abused or wanted to report abuse. After we helped that person, after our shift, we were supposed to debrief with someone. And part of that debriefing was to see if it had disturbed us to the point where we did need help with Mm -hmm. that, if we did need some sort of therapy just to kind of get through it. How did you feel about that? Was it okay for you to admit that? Yeah, there were times I did. And one of the things that was hard was I was working by myself. I was working a night shift, so I was by myself oh, at the that's time. Hard. And uh, there were a few times that we had uh, kids call in. Oh. And uh, I had to tell them it was part of our requirements that I would have to report this to the police. Exactly. And were they okay with me doing that? And I still had to try and get their names yeah. if possible, and addresses and so forth. But it was, you know, it was entirely up to them at that point. Right. But I had to tell them, I've got to report this to the police. You know, and I think about that you had some training. And often when somebody finally does open up to us, maybe we don't have that training mm-hmm. as of what to do. And I, I've i just been thinking so much about this right now. We're in this epidemic, pandemic of coronavirus. And for me, school was my safe place. Yeah. School was my haven. Was it that for you? Yes and no. When we moved from the Bay Area to Seattle, I suddenly lost all my friends that I was comfortable with. And, you know, I had a whole bunch of friends back in the Bay Area. So we came up here and I, I was 13 I didn't know anyone. And so it was really hard Mm -hmm. for a few years. At that point, had you remembered? Did you know you had been abused? I I knew my whole life. You always did. Yeah, I never didn't remember. So for me, I had repressed it all because, and what my counselor told me was, there was never a safe place. And so I had to stuff it all down. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I loved my teachers. Yeah. I loved my teachers. I loved school. And I think about these kids now who have parents that are drug addicts because we all know opioids is, you know, and we have then the kids that who their parents have no food in the house. And I know the schools are working really hard at that. But my heart is just hurting because I can't imagine for me if this time of year I would have been sequestered to home. Now, the one thing we had is we grew up on a beach, and I am always so grateful to God for that beach because it was a way for us to escape. But, you know, we in those days, we had you would probably agree we had a lot more freedom than kids these days. Kids these days, they don't get to just no. go to the beach. And so I, my heart is just so heavy for those kids who are home in a situation where they're either the youngest and they're having to deal with stuff, the oldest, and they're having to take the reins, and they're not getting that. And when we think about, I mean, so far we're hearing school's not going to happen. Not so fair. now they've got all this time, the whole summer, and yeah. being home with parents that are abusive or neglectful. Yeah. I was abused in the summertime, actually, Mm. and it lasted basically all summer long. It lasted for months. Did you check out? How did you cope? Yeah, I I disassociated. Um, I was really skilled at disassociating most of my life. Right. And so then we become adults and we do it and it's like, well, wait, that's not working. It doesn't help (laughs) anymore. But summers always brought on anxiety oh, for me. I, I, I used to love, 
in the Bay Area, I used to love the kind of cold, foggy days because I associated summer with the abuse. And so now I look at all these kids that, you know, school is not happening. So Mm -hmm. they're at home and... uh, and they have no safe place and if home isn't safe for them. Right, and it's normalized, so they don't really know. You know, I know for me, uh, when I got older, and I remember going to college and seeing my roommates do certain things, say th- certain things, and I'd be like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Right? For one, they knew to change their sheets every week. I didn't know that. I was responsible changing my sheets but nobody taught me so it yeah. never happened yeah and so there's so many things that you just sort of you're watching and you're like oh wow <laughs> you know yeah you're learning on the on the fly by, on the fly yeah kind of by trial and error i think for the the most important thing for this conversation is number one i believe you and as a recovery coach it's it's so interesting this time where people cannot go to meetings and yeah. they're not supposed to isolate because they're addicts. And I am watching the creative, amazing things they are doing to continue in their recovery. And then I reflect that to them. Look what you're doing. And they are so shocked that somebody would even see that because for them, survival is so normal. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think it's also important to find out if you can, if they think the perpetrator might still be abusing That's or in so a position good. to abuse other yeah other victims you know because that um, didn't occur to me because i was so much older mm-hmm. when i finally spoke the words yeah but Same that is so powerful it's like and honestly i was still in danger and i didn't know it because yeah. i was so my you know my whole reality was so messed up that i think it continued into my 20s so it's important to find out, are they in danger? Yeah, and so do they good. think if anyone else is in danger? It's not necessarily so you can charge in and, right. and take over and yeah. you know call the police. and Yeah, because if you do that, you're just going to terrify them and then they're going to have to actually end up defending the yeah. abuser. Or they're going to... Which doesn't going make to sense force to them, anyone. <laughs> you're going to force them possibly to do something they're not ready for. Um, yes. If they so haven't good. called the police yet they might not be ready Ready. to so you don't want to force them to do that Mm -hmm. but it is important to find out do they think this person's still a perpetrator if only maybe to make them think about well maybe they should do something Um, but i don't think you should state it that way because you're kind of giving them guilt trip but just to find out and and but there's a bully aspect and i think we talked about this last time is when people start going, oh, no, you are not, you know, whenever they start to sort of speak for you, then that becomes the bully mm-hmm. where they're like, you cannot let this happen. But we are adults and we have to come to that place. And it may take counseling. Yeah. But once somebody steps in and it's like they're going to beat that person up, then that that really hinders our recovery. Yeah. And so I think the most important thing is I believe you. How can I support you? I want to beat them up, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if if it's a minor who is bringing this up. So they're in high school. They tell you all of a sudden you have this commitment because we're adults that we have to. Well, if you're if you're in a caregiving position, like you're a teacher. Yeah. 
um, your therapist or counselor in crisis center, I was in that position where I was required to tell the police. Right. I was required to report it, but you have to tell them that you are required. Right. You have to tell them, look, I have to report this. Right. So before you, you know, go on, you, I just have to let you know that yeah. I've got to tell the police about this. And the value in that is, that is basically saying, I believe you. Yeah. You're not going, oh, this is stupid. I'm going to have to call the police. You're like, wait a minute. I believe you. This is wrong. You may not realize that yet, but this is wrong. And we're going to have to take some action steps. And it's going to send them into tailspin. But if you have created a relationship, then they are going to, they're going to trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. I remember <laughs> in high school, we had to do these reports. And the one I did was so, it always amazes me that I chose this one. But there was a girl, and I, I believe it was here in the Northwest. And she had been coming to school with bruises, different things. And what, what the, the teacher maybe asked her, and she denied it, but she finally got her to admit. And she was, she'd been being locked in the attic. That's where she was living. Mm. And when they finally went to CPS, I think CPS was new in those days. Mm -hmm. um, when they finally kind of went to the, the channels they needed to, they went to the house to check on her. And she was dead. Oh. And I remember because I was an abused child, but I didn't know it. I yeah. Right? I didn't have those words. But I remember that story and I thought, God, what if the teacher wouldn't have, what if the teacher would have just kept her mouth shut, mm. you know? But then the teacher had to report it. Yeah. And then CPS had to go to the Investigate. parents. Yeah. And I think that that's where the danger is. Is One thing I remember, know what you know, it's like, when I was being stalked by an ex-husband, not my children's dad, that they said, if you get a restraining order with certain people, telling them no is like the ultimate challenge and they yeah. will kill you. And so I feel like that's what, I didn't know that at that time, but I feel like that's what happened to that young lady. And I remember being so devastated, but I couldn't even, com I couldn't even relate it to my situation, which was so bad. Mm. But I just remember thinking, Here's this teacher going, something's wrong. Yeah. She reports it because she has to. Yeah. And then it totally backfired on that girl. Yeah. Well, and there's not likely anything anyone could have done at that time, at that point. It's very hard to right. second and guess and that when was... you're trying to help someone. Correct. And that was over 40 years ago. Yeah. When you think about it now, we've come a long way. Yeah, there's certainly a lot more that we can do for... Exactly. Certainly, I think um, it's important to find out why they're telling you now and what their state is. And if they do need help, right? find out if there's anything you can do to help them. And, and you have to be comfortable doing it. You have to right. be honest with them if you aren't comfortable. So this is what I can do. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that what's really hard about it is that... When people finally do share, for whatever reason, there is some element of trust. Yeah. There's some element of trust and believability. And so something in us says, spill your guts. Then you do. Then you regret it. You feel vulnerable, you know. Yeah. But if that person can really come beside you and say, how can I support you? Because you don't really know at that point because it's so normalized. But I think that by them saying, I see this isn't right. 
that that starts that process of, because we do know, right? I think it sometimes takes us a while to realize. So if that person is sharing with you, if you're the first person they're sharing it with, they're basically testing the waters to see what's going to happen. And for men especially, it's really hard because um, we're seeing what kind of a reaction we're going to get. How is this going to affect our relationships? You know, how is it going to affect how you treat me and and what you think of me? And so how you do react is, is going to have, you know, a big impact on their, on their healing. You know, I think what's interesting is that some people are going to go, oh, you're such a drama queen, or, you know, there's going to be people that don't believe you. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. And I think that it would be really easy at that point to go, nobody's ever going to believe me. But you know what you know. And to be, whether, you know, whether you get through to that person or you go find a person that's experienced in dealing with this, is that we have to speak the truth. And even like with this virus, a lot of people are really afraid, but they're trying to put up the good front. We have to admit what's authentic. And if we're afraid, we admit it, and then we can get unafraid. Mm -hmm. But if we try to to just stuff it all down, it doesn't serve anybody anyhow. Yeah. What do you say? I believe you. I believe you. How can I help you? I love that. How can I support you? How can I support you? For me, it was just the fact that thank you for believing me. Yeah. Because there's some sort of validation in that. And when somebody believes you, all of a sudden it makes it more real. It's like, oh, I don't need to stick my head in the sand. I think it's also really helpful if you find out why they're telling you if yeah. you're the first one they're they're told that's so interesting because i don't know why i told your wife i don't know what the circumstance was there was nothing really new for me but i do know that i always wanted her as a friend yeah. and i've always trusted her as a friend and i think the fact that i knew she believed me even though it scared the patooties out of me the fact that she believed me that really went a long way and and there's a reason they're sharing with you and and it i think it helps to if you try and find out what that reason is and um it must if, be trust right yeah but are are they at a point where they realize they need help or are they at a point where they just can't handle it anymore oh, yeah. and they they're losing it yeah so or maybe they were triggered and they didn't realize it like you you saw or you heard about yeah. that kidnapping right they might be triggered by something and they, they just suddenly yeah. blows up in their face. Which trigger is such a great word because that wasn't a word back then. And it's like, when I look back now, I'm like, duh, that was a trigger. Something yeah. happened and my brain was going, you've been there, you've done that, but yet it wasn't on a conscious level. And yeah. so we didn't know about triggers then. But yeah. the fact that to me, it was just so amazing when the counselor said, oh, I had to go get counseling. And when the people in the class were like blaming me, did you call the police? I was a child that was used as a lure. Mm-hmm. And and that's what came out, which that's not anything I've told anybody even since then. And so groups have scared me because they don't see you as that innocent child. They see you as you are today, that yeah. adult, yeah. right? So they, <laughs> they expect you to behave as you are now, but exactly. they don't know what the circumstance was when exactly. you were being 
And it's so terrifying that if they don't blame you, then it's like, wait a minute, that could happen to me. So, and I think it's also important to find out, are they in danger? Do they feel safe? So good. And if not, what can you do to help them to get to a safe place? And that, you know, when somebody does not feel safe and they need to be in a safe place, we cannot bully them. We have to listen and trust them because they know that person. They know Mm -hmm. if they can walk away from that person or they know if they turn their back, he'll shoot them or however that is that, you know, it would be easy for us to go in that protect mode of here, let me take care of you. But we honestly, we have to listen. We have to ask the question. Yeah. We have to be willing to be vulnerable as they are vulnerable and say, okay, I don't know how to solve this, but I'm here. Yeah. And I think if, if possible, find out if the perpetrator is still in a position right. of abusing others. And, and if they are, you know, for instance, how many times do we hear the story of, well, I figured if I let them abuse me, they wouldn't abuse mm-hmm. my sister. Yeah. So are they in danger? And how can we support? And I believe you. And, you know, I don't want to get all spiritual, but, you know, I'm a life coach. And there's times when I'm with a client and I seriously... I do not know what to say. Yeah. And I just, I ask the Holy Spirit. I just say, give me wisdom. I mean, the Bible says, if you ask for wisdom, and sometimes when someone's sharing something with us, it's not our job to fix. It's our job to listen. And even if it's hard, you know, we can go get help. And we, if we are self-evolved enough, we know, okay, this is huge. I'm going to believe them. But I'm going to check in with a counselor, a mentee, a coach. I'm going to check in because I need that support if I'm going to support them. But it is important that they know that you're not going to share this with anyone else without their permission. Exactly. If it's okay with them. Right. But you need to make sure they know (laughs) you're not going to because that trust is critical for someone. I believe you and I will hold your secret. But... Again, if it is something that's vile or needs to be reported, we are yeah, yeah, we, designated reporters. If it's a minor, we kind of yes. have no choice. Yeah. That. And you know, here's the thing is that we don't know anybody's journey or their timing. And I can honestly tell you, I mean, I look back on my life and I'm like, I thought I knew everything, you know, and it's one thing, number one, to respect their timing of they know that person enough to know that if they walked out today, they would end up dead. Yeah. Or if they hung in there for a few more days. So we cannot, we need to be the listener and we need to be the validator and we need to do if we need to call 911. But we also need to know that this is about them. Yeah. And they are the expert on themselves. Yeah, they need to know that that they matter to you and that you care about them. Yes. And not about proving you're the hero here, (laughs) proving that, you know, you can fix this. Yes. It's that you care about them. You know, that's what's been interesting about this virus. People that have reached out. You know, it's like, for me, I'm a, I actually am an introvert that acts like an extrovert. <laughs> it's my coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. And, and the older I get, the more I realize, oh my gosh, I've been living my life as an extrovert when I'm really an introvert. And I love being home alone. But that, you know, we... 
we are here to believe and to witness yeah, and to bear to witness, witness yeah. and to be able to say, I believe you, I support you. What do you need for me? And also, maybe they don't need anything from us, but that every once in a while we check in and we're like, hey, just want you to remember, I believe you. Yeah. Oh, I think that's another really important thing. I'm glad you said that. It's good to follow up after someone's shared yeah. with you. Follow up with them if you can. Check in, see how they're doing, see if they're getting the help they need or, you know, if they feel okay, mm -hmm. because that makes it clear to them that they do matter to you, that you do care about what there this is, is going on. Yeah, there is nothing more important than feeling like you matter. Yeah. And, I, you know, I keep, I keep bringing up the coronavirus, and I don't want to be that podcast that's like all about, it. oh, the coronavirus. But when you think about it, you know, it's like there are people that are home alone and people are checking in, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, knowing that you matter to somebody, yeah. because I think really in the bigger scheme of things, it's easy to feel like for me, my kids are grown. They're not checking on me. You know why? Because they know I'm okay. They hear right? you on the radio. <laughs> yeah. And they are dealing with their own stuff. And so, you know, it's like checking in and just saying, I believe you. There yeah. is so much power in I believe yeah, you, yeah. you know, and I think we uh, survivors, maybe we live a lot of our life feeling like we don't we're matter. wrong. We don't matter. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're basically taught we don't matter. Right. When and we're then, abused, we're taught that, you know, we're just an object. Or, right. You know, and then this is my pet peeve is so many people are like, well, it happened for a reason. It's like. That pushes me over the yeah. end, you know? <laughs> That's one of the hardest things to hear. Yeah, because I don't believe that. We have a sovereign God who has allowed us a free will, and because evil people, and not even they're not even necessarily evil sometimes when they're a young child that's abusing mm -hmm. another child. Yeah. They just don't know. Yeah, they're just messed up. Exactly, somehow. and that, that did not happen for a reason. And I will say with this virus... This virus did not happen for a reason. It happened. Yeah. It just happened. People have a free will and they can go around infecting anyone they want. <laughs> but God is a, so big that he can use whatever our free will destroys. And I, and also, I think for survivors, I think God doesn't allow this to happen Good. for a reason. I no, think, thank like you. you said, it thank happens, but that. I think God does have a plan for all of us, mm -hmm. and he can use this and use what happened yes. Yes. to do something beautiful. But exactly. I don't think he allows it no. to happen so that we will, you know, have this experience. I think it's just because of what happened, God can use us to do something beautiful. Right. My word for this year, I thought was trust, but actually what keeps coming up is go deeper, go deeper. And, you know, man has free will. Yeah. We have free will to do whatever we want. And so sometimes people are like, what kind of a loving God would let this happen. Or I've heard people say that God mm -hmm. brought this virus. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't. He did not. This is just people being people. But God is sovereign and he will use anything. And I just look at, you know, how he has used what you went through and you've done this podcast. And I know that people are being touched. And 
I don't, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm not hearing podcasts about people mm-hmm. who have been abused. I'm not hearing about survivors and how they've, you know, pushed on, pushed up and said, no matter what, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live a life and I'm going to reach out and support other survivors. So they're validated and they can be like, oh my gosh, this is reality. This did happen. Yeah. And it yeah. is what it is. It's important for our voices to be heard and uh, believed. Well, it is. And, you know, I, I appreciate that you asked me because I've told you that I haven't shared this. And it's not something I share. But the reason is, is because I still have family members that are alive. Yeah. And I feel like with this podcast, I'm a bit anonymous. You know, mm-hmm. nobody knows who my family is. But that, you know... If we can offer that hope, if we can say, I mean, I look at you, you don't look like a survivor. I don't know what I think a survivor yeah. looks like, but <laughs> I, I remember you meeting you, loving you, thinking you were awesome, finding out that you were a survivor and feeling sad for what you suffered through. But yet I see the things that you are doing, the people you're reaching out to, the difference you're making. And it doesn't mean that happened for a reason so you could do this. It just means it happened and how awesome that you have made a decision to use it to bless other people. Yeah. And on that note, we should pray. Yes, we should. So that's it for today. We are going to have a prayer time if you want to stick with us. If not, we believe in you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find us. And we really want to spread this message. Father, I just thank you for all the blessings you have given us. And most of all, for, for your guidance and your presence in our lives right now. When things are so yes, crazy. crazy and turned upside down. And when we are all, a lot of us, feeling very isolated, mm-hmm. we have you. Lord, we have you, and you are our ultimate comfort and our ultimate blessing in our lives. And Father, I know that this is this podcast is about people who are survivors, but I also look at so many addicts, and part of the reason they're addicts is they're trying to survive. They're trying to mm-hmm. numb. And Father, I am so grateful that that community understands the importance of gratitude and of service. And Lord, if we can take all of these things that have happened to us and we can turn them around so that we can serve others, that we can say, I believe you. I believe you. Father, those are the most powerful words that we can say to each other. And I pray that you will remind us if somebody's sharing things that maybe we don't even want to hear, that you will just remind us that what we want is to for them to know we believe them. And we care about them. Lord, and I thank you that for the people who are listening tonight, I pray that you would just be in their lives and guide them. Mm-hmm. And Lord, bless them with your Holy Spirit to give them guidance on how they can be a blessing to and, someone. And Father, I know that we'll cover this soon, but that we might be able to forgive those who've hurt us. That by forgiving doesn't mean we give them power. It means we take away their power because we are no longer owned. And Lord, that your deep, deep call to us 
is that we live this deeper life and that we forgive and we love and we move forward. Amen. Amen.